I want to continue on with the virtuous woman tonight in Proverbs, the 31st chapter. So if you'll, if you'll turn there with me, I'm not going to review everything that we've talked about. We've gotten down to verse 13. And what we've done as we've gone through this is we've looked at the different traits, the different attributes or qualities, the characteristics of a virtuous woman. And it's not just one. There are many things that make up a virtuous woman. And as it's listed out here uh, in Proverbs, the 31st chapter, we see that the writer has already told us how valuable it is to find a virtuous woman. And I know some of you brothers, you can probably amen if you want to sometimes wonder where would we be on a personal level did we, if we did not have virtuous women in our life. Uh, I shudder to think where I would be as a person if the women that have been in my life, most specifically my wife nowadays, uh, if they weren't there, if they weren't doing the things that they need to do as a virtuous woman, I don't know where I'd be. I'd probably be in jail somewhere. But, uh, so I'm very thankful for them because they have a huge impact on us. In verse 12, we talked about that, uh, or verse 11, we talked about how the heart of her husband safely trusts in her. And in verse 12, that she will do him good and not evil or not bring trouble into her home. And I wanted to try to get to verse 13 and 14 tonight if I could. In verse 13, it says, She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. In the very beginning there where it says this is a woman, the virtuous woman is a woman that seeketh wool. Now you might think in today's time that seems a little bit odd. You know, why would you go out and seek wool? When was the last time any of you ladies went out and sought after wool? Maybe if you have some kind of, you know, knitting or crocheting deal, I don't know. But how many times do you wake up and say, I need to go find some wool? I mean, we just don't think that way. But I want you to think about when you read through the Bible, wool is often a symbol of purity. And when you think about uh, in Isaiah, in Isaiah, the first chapter in the 18th verse, when Isaiah is looking for something to describe what the child of God looks like after his sins have been washed away, he chooses wool to represent that. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be like wool. So is there anything more pure than somebody that has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus? So wool oftentimes in the Bible is a symbol of purity. Now, there's a lot of different ways that the virtuous woman can seek after that purity. You know, uh, there, there, there's also, you know, obviously an issue of your, the purity of your thoughts. Um, you know, if there's, a, if there's thoughts of bitterness and thoughts of uh, jealousy, if there's thoughts of anger or thoughts of this, whatever thought there may be, that are not pure, the virtuous woman wants to be diligent at casting those things out of her mind, casting those imaginations out. So she certainly seeks to have a pure mind. She can seek to have, you know, obviously pure behavior, how she interacts not only with her friends, but, uh, you know, with, with the way she interacts with her husband. If she's not married, um, certainly the way she interacts with anybody that she might be dating. Uh, she definitely wants to keep purity in the forefront of her mind. But specifically, for some reason, you know, when I thought about the purity, I thought mostly about the way a woman dresses, uh, because we know in today's time uh, that uh, the vast majority of, of young ladies, it is it is shameful the way they dress. Now, the devil has sold us a lie that the amount of skin that is shown is directly related to how beautiful you are. And that's definitely a lie. Uh, we see uh, all throughout the Bible since the fall, we see that nakedness is something that should bring shame to people. But, you know, if you go to um, 
if you you know if you go to a, a, a you know a Alabama football game or uh, the example that I was thinking about, we went to a rodeo about a month ago, and we were watching that rodeo, and I would say probably ninety five percent of the young women I saw between fifteen and twenty five all had the same outfit on, and it's not worth describing from the pulpit. And, and it was shameful to me. And it was embarrassing to me to walk down through there uh, beside my wife and to have my young uh, girls there with me. It, it was just a shameful scene. You know, and I, and I never miss an opportunity to point those things out to my children and say, if you're looking for an example of what not to dress like, there they are. And so the way oftentimes that women dress is a reflection of their heart. All right, it's a reflection of their heart. Now, you say, well, a woman needs to have pure dress and modest dress. And you say, well, how do you explain that? How do you explain what modest dress is? And I've heard different definitions and stuff, but the way I explain it in my own mind and the thing that satisfies me the most is that a woman that is seeking purity should never dress in a way that her appearance is a distraction. Are you with me? On that, if a woman walks up to me and she has a question about something or we're going to engage in a conversation from her neck down, nothing down there should be a distraction for me during that conversation. So the issue comes from, I know women, there's something ingrained inside of a woman that they want to be beautiful. I've seen it in my young, my young girls from, from, from the time they were very small. There's just something in them that wants to be beautiful that, that Hank and Jack don't have. You know, Hank and Jack are not concerned about getting their hair fixed and getting all, you know, dutied up and just looking pretty. Sometimes I'll come home, and I'm not trying to embarrass the girls at all, but sometimes I'll come home, and the girls will be so dressed up. I mean, just look beautiful. They'll have the nicest clothes and dresses on, and they'll have their hair fixed, and they'll have a little bit of makeup on, and they're, they're not doing it for any reason in particular. They just do it because there's something inside of them that wants to look beautiful, and Jack and Hank are over here, and they could not care less how they look. They'll wear the same shirt for 40 days in a row if we let them. They just don't care because, and I was the same way, because we're different. There's something about a woman that wants to be beautiful and wants to be uh, pleasing to the eye. Now, one of the reasons I think young women get pushed into to dressing the way they do sometimes is to keep up with the next girl. You know, I've talked to Tiffany about that before, and I said, Tiffany, explain it to me why these young girls do that. And she's often said, well, it's really not so much to catch the attention of, of a man. <clears throat> a lot of times, it's just because that's the latest fashion and they're just trying to keep up with what all the rest of their friends are wearing. I don't know if that's true or not, ladies, but that's what Tiffany said. But I also think that there's an element to it that they are trying to draw attention to themselves and get the, the, get the gaze of people around their, their, their attention-seeking. And so what you see over time, and it's interesting, I read an article today. Um, it was from the Geneva Historical Society, and it was about the change in modesty over the years. And, and it's, it's so interesting to watch, you know, what would just be considered an abomination in the 50s. Today, you would be laughed at for not being risque enough for wearing that. And it was so alarming to see the progression 
of what was not acceptable and what was acceptable back from the 30s up until now. And if you if you think I'm just, you know, blowing smoke and this, this is really not an issue, you need to go some, sometime go down to the beach one day and just watch the people as they walk up and down the beach and, and just look at the, you know, it grieved my heart so bad the last time we were there. It, not only is the amount of skin that is shown becoming an issue, but the age at which they're showing it is getting less and less and less. A virtuous woman is seeking wool. She, she is seeking purity. And, and I hope that if my wife or my daughters ever come up to anybody in a conversation, that there will be nothing about their presentation that will be a distraction to the person they're talking to. And, and, and it's, it's like, um, uh, I believe it's in Ecclesiastes where it says the preacher sought out acceptable words. You understand what I'm saying, right? You get me. I don't have to go into a whole lot of detail. But the virtuous woman seeks purity. And she lets God promote the beauty that he has given her. And it encourages me greatly when I see some young ladies. And this church is overflowing with wonderful young ladies. I don't know if there's a place in the world that's like this. But it encourages me, encourages me when I see young ladies dress in such a way that it says I care about the way I look. And I don't want my look to be a distraction to you. I know it's, I know it's tempting sometimes. And I know the latest fads can, can make you want to follow in that way. And I know that, uh, you know, the girl that walks by that's not very modest is going to get a lot more whistles and, and people pursuing after her. But if they're pursuing after her, you don't want them. Trust me. Now, the virtuous woman is a woman that is seeking purity, not only in her thoughts and her dress, but in her behavior and all the manner of her life. And then it says not only is she seeking wool, that she's seeking flax. Now, in the Old Testament, what you'll find is a lot of the clothes that were made were made out of wool and flax. In today's time, we wouldn't say flax. We would say thread or linen, maybe something that, uh, you know, clothing. That, that's how we would describe flax. In the Old Testament, that was what they used to make their clothes. And it says she's seeking linen. Now, I want you to think about this. If somebody walks in that back door right there. And I look up at them. One of the first things that I'm going to notice about them is what they have on, right? Like I can look over here and I see Brother Eric, but Brother Eric has an orange shirt on. That orange shirt stands out to me. Brother Marlon's got a blue shirt on. Everybody look. and They are. Everybody looked at them, right? Brother Marlon's got a blue shirt. Brother Tony's got a navy blue shirt. And when you look at somebody, a lot of times you see what they have on, right? You don't necessarily notice these, oh, they've got a freckle on their nose or they've got this on their ear or they get a little bit of gray hair. You don't really notice that from a distance. You usually see what they're wearing. It's kind of what catches your eye immediately. Now, this is obviously there's an element to the virtuous woman where she wants to keep her family clothed. Right. But I think it goes deeper than that, because even the wicked people want to, you know, want to, uh, to, to clothe their children to make sure they're warm. But here, I want you to think about putting something on that's not closed. If you flip over to Colossians, the third chapter, if you want to, you don't have to. I'll read it to you. In Colossians, the third chapter, it talks about some things that we can put on. In verse 12, Colossians 3.12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. It talks about forbearance and forgiveness. 
Now, the Bible tells us there, there are some things that we can put on and it's not a shirt and it's not a pair of pants, but they should be so visible in the way we deal with things in day-to-day life that they're just as visible as a brown coat and a white shirt. And when you see somebody coming, when you see the virtuous woman coming, hopefully when you see her coming, she's not dressed in a way that's distracting. And hopefully when you see her coming, she has such a presence of humility and kindness and long-suffering. You look far more at those qualities and what she has than what she's wearing. There have been some people, some women that I know, many women in this church that I can go up and have a conversation with that woman and not one time does it ever cross my mind what that person is wearing because the, just the, the humility in their voice and the kindness in their voice and the gentleness is just so overwhelming. That's what I see. And that's what the virtuous woman is. She's a woman who strives to put on as the elect of God humbleness and kindness and long-suffering and charity and all those different types of things. So we're talking about how she acts right here. She seeks wool in a lot of ways. That's what she looks like when she dresses. She's seeking flax, and that's the way she behaves. That's the way she acts. Now let's go on to this next one real quick. It says, she seeketh wool and flax, and it says, and worketh willingly with her hands. Now, think about this for a second. A lot of us work, right? How many of us work willingly? Probably not a whole lot of us. A lot of us work kind of begrudgingly. You know, if, if, uh, if I got a letter in the mail that said, hey, just letting you know, uh, from now on, all dentistry is free, I would stay at home. I would not get up and willingly go do that. I'm going to get up and go do it because I get paid to do it, right? Most of the time when you get up and if you go to a secular job, if you're anything like me, sometimes you got to kind of drag yourself there, right? Ah, it's another Monday. Got to get up and go. We go, but we're almost forced to go because we have bills to pay, right? But the virtuous woman is a woman that works willingly. Now, and I've told you before in the earlier parts of this series that every the home, the dynamics of each home is a little bit different. In our, in our home, Tiffany's the one that stays home and is kind of the, the caretaker of the home and uh, teaches the children and does a lot of the home stuff. And I go out and work a secular job. But, you know, a lot of times when I have people come in the office, you know, and you try to you're making a little bit of chit chat with them as you know, before you're doing whatever you're going to do. You know, I'll say things like, you know, hey, are you working today? And they'll say, yeah, I've been working. And, and I'll say, well, are, are you finished? Uh, you know, do you get to go home after this? He's like, well, they'll say, I'm finished with that job. And what they mean by that is I'm fixed, I've, I've left my secular job and I'm not going to get paid for the things I'm about to go do. And you know what that is. You get home, you got to cut grass, right? Uh, you got you to gotta wash dishes. You got to, you know, supper's got to be cooked. You got to tend to children if you have them. Uh, there's a million and one things that need to be done around the house. And Tiffany will tell you one of the things that gets me wound up pretty tight at times is when that list gets really long. And I don't feel like I've got time to do it all. And I just get, oh, you know, I, I, I run home and I get this done and I get this done and do this. And I'm like, oh, I got three things checked off, 25 more to go. And you just get a little tense because to have some sort of normalcy in life, there's a lot that needs to be done, right? right. There's a lot of things that we just have to do. 
And it says the virtuous woman there is a woman that works at those things willingly, not begrudgingly. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. I've said before and joked before that I think Tiffany would have made an excellent queen. Have I ever said that to y'all? But I think she would. I think she would have been one of the best queens of all time. Because she is so gentle and so loving and so tender. But yet she can handle the most difficult task and the most difficult people with amazing amounts of grace. And there's not a lot of people that can balance those two things. But she does it so well. And I, we've joked with her before. I said, Tiffany, you would have made such a great queen. I can just see you sitting up on a throne in one of those real pretty dresses that looks terribly uncomfortable. Just sitting up there with a crown on your head. You know, we laugh about it. She says, well, you know, it would be nice to just have people waiting on you all the time. And if you wanted something cooked, you just went and told your cook or you sent somebody to go tell your cook and your clothes were always washed and folded and dried and whatever and all the stuff and all the stuff that we have to do after we work, we're done for you. But that's not reality, is it right? That's just not reality. And so sometimes, one of my favorite times of the day, favorite times of, of the day, is when the day is over, and we've gone home, we've ate supper, we've been outside, and we've piddled around and done all different types of things. We've come in, we've gotten cleaned up. My favorite time is we always seem to kind of congregate into uh, Tiffany and I's bedroom. And we'll end up with, we'll end up laying on the bed there and there'll be, you know, uh, you know, two or three kids on the bed and a kid in the chair and then they'll rotate and there's two over here and there's one here and it's just a, you know, rotating uh, pile of kids. And we'll have a, a TV show and Andy Griffith or something like that on. And we may do that for an hour or so. And it's just the most wonderful time to me because one, we're together and we're laughing and we're loving on each other. And the day is almost over and we're just fixing to enter that period of rest. And I love it. I cherish that because I know those days are fleeting. And in the midst of this wonderful time, many times... Here comes Tiffany with a huge load of clothes to fold. We're all relaxed and laid back, ready to go to bed. We're laughing. We're, we're winding down. And she comes there and she sets that pile of clothes down and she starts to fold it. And then she'll be gone for a minute and she'll come back with another one. And she never complains. She has a smile on her face and she is just as happy and chipper in that setting as the rest of us. She's working willingly. She delights in it. Now, I know that there's a flesh side of her that, that longs to be the queen and be, have everybody wait on her. Somebody did the laundry for her, but that's not our reality. And so the work that she does while all of us are laid over there half asleep you know, and, and, and ready to go into, into la-la land, she is quietly and neatly tucking away all the clothes so we have clean clothes. She's working willingly. There's been many nights that I have woken up from my sleep and said, like, what is the light in the laundry room still doing? And she'll be in there paying our bills. She spent all day doing all the chores. She's worked harder than I've worked at work. And when, when I get home and we're all winding down, she's continuing to labor and she delights in it. She does it willingly. She's not stomping her foot and begrudgingly doing those things. You know, I know people. I know women right now 
that have gotten so tired of washing dishes, folding clothes, and taking care of their kids that they just said, it's time to live for me, I'm out. And they left that because they just, they had no delight in it. Well, if that's something you don't delight in, you don't ever need to have kids to start with. But two, I think there are many things that kindle the wrath of God. But when you turn your back on one of these little ones, the Bible talks about it's better to be cast and have a millstone around your neck and cast into the depths of the sea than to offend one of those little ones. The virtuous woman is not going to turn her back on those duties. And not only is she not going to turn her back on them, she's going to do it with delight. And I promise you, it makes my life so much more peaceful because if Tiffany came in and she slammed those clothes down and she kicked them across the room and she started fussing at everybody because we were winding down and tired and resting, you know what that brings in our home? Trouble. It brings attention. All of a sudden, we've got a fight going on and the kids are standing there terrified. You see, the virtuous woman, the effects that she puts on her family, they just ripple all through the house. So a virtuous woman is a woman that works willingly and does the things that she does with delight. Let me give you this last one right here. This is probably my favorite one. It says, She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. Now, obviously, everybody in here knows how important food is. If you don't think food's important, go about three or four days without eating. You'll be weak. You won't feel good. You'll probably be grumpy and and irritable and all that kind of stuff. Food is important and it strengthens us. But there's a different type of food than just the food that sustains our physical bodies. I'm talking about a spiritual food here. She's like a merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. Now I want you to think about when this was written. When this was penned. If food was coming to you from a far country, let's say food was coming to you across the seas. They did not have, you know, a 737 or a humongous cargo jet to put that food on and fly it over here. They didn't even have humongous cargo ships with these massive, uh, massive motors and propellers to, to push them across the sea at rapid rates like the Titanic. When food came from a far country, if it was coming across the seas, it was in a probably a wooden boat with sails on it, kind of like you see in the movies, like the pirate ships. That's what I think about. And I want you to think about going across the seas in that. They didn't pull up weather.com and see, hey, what's going on 100 miles out in the ocean? Whatever they ran into is just what they ran into. There was nothing to predict it. So they get in this this boat and they've got this cargo that they're taking to a far country and they're, they're, they're subject to the sea. And as they go through there, they're subject to the winds. And as the winds take them over there, sometimes it's a slow, steady drudging through the sea to get that food from here to the far country. And oftentimes as they did that, they would run into major storms, you know, and they'd be taking the sails down and then battening down the hatches and, and, and doing all that kind of stuff, patching holes in the boat just to stay afloat. Are you with me now? Do you get that picture? I want you to picture that boat in the sea with waves tossing it all over the place and people scrambling around just to kind of stay afloat. The country 
that this woman is bringing her food from is not a country that you can buy a ticket to or schedule a vacation. It's the country that the Hebrews 11 talks about the people of old longed for. It says they longed for a better country, a heavenly country. The food that this woman is bringing to her family, obviously she keep, keeps her fed, kids fed physically and her family fed, but she is bringing spiritual food to her family. Are you with me on that? Too often on, in today's time, children are fed TV, they're fed some sort of electronics, they're fed extracurricular activities, and I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm saying they do not take the place of spiritual food. Are you with me? This woman is like a, that ship taking food from a far country. Now, when I picture a virtuous woman, when I picture her on her knees, maybe in her closet, reading her Bible, praying, seeking the Lord and seeking out His truth, when the phone is ringing, kids need something. She's got many things on her mind. She's tired because she's been all up all night folding my clothes. And all the many things that are just pressing in on her, tossing her about. I picture her like that ship. And she is slowly and steady pushing across the seas of this life carrying something to her family that is a precious cargo and that's teaching them the word of God. And listen, ladies, I know that that is not easy sometimes. I know that that can be difficult because there are so many things in this life that are waves that are crashing up against us and tearing ourselves up and poking holes in our boat. And sometimes the hardest thing to do is to take the time to sit down and pray to God or study God's word. It's so much easier just to put them in front of the TV or send them over here or send them over there. But listen, their survival is dependent on that ship getting there. Are you with me? Is anybody awake? It's dependent on you getting that food there. And I know you're tired, and I know there's a whole lot going on. But when you, when you picture that woman, I want you to picture that ship. And imagine what those people that are on the other side of that shore waiting for that ship, how they feel when they, when they see that ship coming. There's some joy and there's some satisfaction that this person has survived the trip and survived the seas to get me what I need. But it's hard to do. They could have just let them starve. They could have said, golly, that's 300 miles away. And I got to go in this boat. It's already got holes and it. it's been patched a thousand times and the sails are torn. And I got to go with this ornery crew and I got other things I would rather do. Let them find their own food. That's the easy way out. But the virtuous woman is not taking the easy way out. The virtuous woman loads up on that ship and she gets them what they need. I, one of the things that brings a lot of joy um, to me, and I, and I can't quote the verse, y'all can shout it out if you know it, but uh, I believe it's Paul that says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. It's something along those lines. Well, when I come home sometimes, and, and sometimes, you know, I'll call Tiffany from work or she'll call me and I'll say, how's your day going? You know, and, and she says, well, you know, it's good like, like today, you know, she said, well, 
uh, you know, this happened over here and this happened over here. And I was trying to paint the, uh, paint the bathroom and then Hank got a terrible nosebleed because him and Emma were wrestling and it got, you know, he got, it got a nosebleed going and, and uh, you know, trying to pay these bills and trying to do this. And when she gets done, I'm like, you know, that's, that's quite the day, you know. But then I get home and we sit down for supper. And one of the kids will say, we had a great Bible time today. And to think in the midst of all of that, that 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 ship kept pushing forward. And they'll say, Dad, we talked about leadership today. Or we talked about justice or mercy. We talked about those things today with mom. She sat down with us. And my heart just wants to explode. Because there was a virtuous woman who took the time in the midst of all those things to push forward in that ship because she didn't want her kids starving to death spiritually. Ladies, I know it's not easy. I would not want my wife's job. I would much rather work on nasty, rotten teeth because I don't think I've got what it takes. But God has given you something so special in your ability to do those things. And I encourage all of you, just because your boat's leaking, just because the wind and the waves are smashing against you, don't ever neglect to take the time to bring that food to your family. Don't ever forget, take the, uh, um, forget to take the time to bring that food to yourself. But that's just as important. I hope that these things have been profitable to you. It is not an easy thing. If your goal, if your goal in life is to be a virtuous woman, that's a lofty goal. And it's not going to happen overnight, and it's not going to happen uh, with a nonchalant kind of lackadaisical effort. It's going to be something that you ladies have got to set your mind to and be determined that that's what you want to be in life. And I had this thought today as I close that godliness, godliness is easy to spot. Have you ever noticed that? Godliness is so easy to spot. You can take two women... And both of them can say the exact same things. And one of them be overflowing with the spirit of godliness and the other one not. And it is easy to see. And I hope all of you women continue to let that spirit of godliness overflow in your life because we all need it. We need that encouragement. And you can make a huge difference as the ripples of your behavior and your thoughts and actions kind of go out through society. So I hope that's been profitable to you.